to the510.com. Yeah, is this going to suck the whole time, or is this like the only part that sucks? I just want to gauge how much suck I have to freaking sit through. I don't know. I mean, does anyone really pay attention to radio anymore? This is getting stupid. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? That may be the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You balls have been tempered in the fury of hell's dragon. Stupid! You're so stupid! Ladies and gentlemen, your host, JC. Welcome, everybody, to the 510 Podcast. I'm your host, JC. If you are new to the show, welcome. Every week we get to talk to amazing people within the music industry. And this week I'm really excited because it's a, a guy that I've talked to for a long time. It's somebody that I've followed since their first album in 2006 all the way to now the Grammy-winning band. It's so weird saying that, Zach. But anyway, Zach Carruthers from Portugal the Man, Grammy-winning band. Oh, my God. What's up, man? Dude. Um, yeah, we were just talking right before yeah. we started recording. The first time we had you was when I was doing Life Music Love, and it was in the back of your trailer. You guys were um, tr- you were touring on Church Mouth, and uh, <laughs> so that that's going way back. And it was in the back of your trailer in front of Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. Yeah, dude. God. Yeah, we took that sound guy. The sound guy from Bottom of the Hill was fantastic and famous. We actually took him to Europe. Uh, Did you really? To- yeah, for a while yeah he was the first guy any any people in like small bands know just like dealing with how sound guys can sometimes be really rough and i mean either way it's always interesting but this dude cared so much and he was kind of the first sound guy that just like really cared and really like asked questions we learned so much from and uh yeah paul man he's a great he's a great dude that Love venue that guy. Yeah. as small as it is oh did you really yeah, yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, that, was, that was a hell of a show. That was our first time at Bottom of the Hill, man. That place is fun. It's it's amazing because it's a really small place. Maybe holds 250, maybe if you're all packed in. But the sound there, I've watched Muse there. I've seen AFI there. And it sounds like you listen to them on tape. You know, like it just oh, yeah. sounds amazing. And most That's- small venues don't have that type of sound. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, it was Paul, man. That dude just, he cares. And he like took time to dial in. He was just a... He was just a solid dude and like really, really cares about audio, man. It was uh, it was really awesome, especially and you don't see that a lot at at clubs that size, I think. And there's always like famous sound guy stories. And he's he's definitely one of them, man. That place is legendary. Yeah, I love it. And then, you know, we met again in 2012 or 13 at Doug Fur. Uh, yeah, we had dinner because we were going to do an app for you guys. And I think Kyle was there because it just brought on Kyle. And I think there was another guy, I can't remember, but it was you and I, we were all sitting and having dinner at Doug Fur here in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Dude, it's been a journey. And now, like, you're this 10-year overnight success. I know, right? Totally. <laughs> it's a really, really long overnight success. We, uh, Yeah, I've got a really badass uh, get-rich-slow scheme going. <laughs> <laughs> Playing it slow. I get it. I get totally, it. Totally, yeah. So let's rewind the tape, man. Let's talk a little bit. You and John went to high school together. What was the sort of like, why this band? Why did this band need to exist? Yeah, you know, it was it was it was leaving Alaska. We grew up in Alaska and we like we learned a lot. We're very proud of like where we're from and we learned so much. And I think moving down here and, you know, we played music up there and I had a, I had a shitty high school band and John and I played music. I had no idea he could sing, by the way. He was very shy. Yeah. And uh 
we moved down here and we just realized that you could do it. And we found out that you didn't need to make money to go on tour. Hmm. And that was the funniest thing. We moved down here and we started seeing all these rad shows for three bucks at some small bar band I'd never heard of from a town I'd never heard of. And they just got in their van and went. And I didn't realize that because we just wanted to travel. We were just interested in the world. Yeah. And because we had grown up so uh, cut off. And so, yeah, we just found out that you, you don't need stage lights or Lear jets or any of that shit. It was like, wait, you guys just go in a van and like go on tour. <laughs> was like, hell yeah, let's do that. And so we, uh, yeah, we pretty much just started doing that and never really, never really stopped. We never really at the beginning, we never took it seriously. Never thought, I mean, we did, you know, we, we worked really hard, but we never like were aiming for anything. We've, I mean, we've never had a goal. We're just like, yeah. We're just out there chasing cars, man. When you guys recorded Waiter You Vultures, was that the first time where you're like, all right, maybe this is something? Yeah. I mean, our old band, we recorded an album. We went on tour and we got a decent following. And But right right after that, we realized that that's not the kind of music we wanted to play. So John and I kind of split off and started Portugal. And yeah, we we went in and we recorded that. And, you know, we, we just didn't know. We just, we were always just like, we we're just in it to learn and just in it to get back out on the road and meet as many people as we could and see as many things as we, as we could and just go, go drive around and bum around the, uh, the world a little bit. Yeah. yeah that, uh, but then we did start to notice some things and there was, there was always just enough holding on to where we wouldn't quit. And, uh, <laughs> Around that time, we got uh, we got really we got big in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria first. Like before we got uh, before anybody liked us over here, and so for a lot of those first few years, like those first two records, just like took off and did great over there. And we kind of instantly got like as big as like a small indie band could over there. And it was really funny because we'd go over there and get treated so well. They'd put us up in like decent hotels. I mean, just any hotel was a decent hotel yeah, to yeah. us. Is it was hardwood floors in the back of vans. And so it was really funny going over to Germany and just getting treated so well with rad catering, playing big shows. And then we'd go back to the States and just, uh, you know, play for pizza and beer. <laughs> nice. When you when you guys were recording that, what was the process and how has it changed over the years? Like, well, how do you guys come up with, you know, your songs? Is it John writing constantly and then you guys kind of put, you know, melody to that? or That was kind of it. It's all like especially at the beginning john had a lot to get out and so at the at the beginning he would just really go and we'd um the process at the beginning was wrong and it continues <laughs> to be wrong it's always ass backwards and yet we didn't we didn't have a drummer at the time we had started going out we had done a couple of tours with just doing drum machines we knew we wanted to bring a live drummer in but we wrote the entire album and put all these program beats on before we brought in a drummer at the very end. Um, and it uh, and it was pretty funny, still on the credits of that album. Uh, we brought in two drummers to kind of try them out and they were both our friends, uh, Justin and Jason. And it was really funny on the credits, we didn't know Jason's last name, our drummer to this day. <laughs> and uh, and so we called, uh, yeah, they, they both came in and did one song each. And then we ended up uh, going with Jason. But yeah, it was a, we didn't know their last name, so we just put uh, Justin Bustin and Jason Bustin, and uh, <laughs> it was a. Uh, Is that still on the line liner notes to this day? Yeah, totally, and that's, he's still at my phone, and uh, that's too funny. That's too funny. 
But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was backwards. And we just kind of, we did everything wrong and it, uh, but it was just kind of what we needed to do because it was a learning process for us. I mean, John didn't even know how to play chords during those first two albums. He didn't learn really until our third album and then our fourth album, he learned what a major chord was. And he just like, we just, every, every album we did was like, you know, a grade in elementary school is like, what did you learn this year? And then we just kind of wrote it down. So basically we just tour around and every year we'd, we'd stop and we'd take what we learned and put it into some kind of uh, shitty musical form and record it and then go back out. <laughs> but I mean, it, the, the sound itself hasn't really changed over the years. I mean, like for example, when I, my, one of my favorite tracks that you guys have ever done is Chicago. And that's still oh, right. like it. And, I think you guys played it at that show at Bottom of the Hill, but I haven't seen you guys play it since. It's not it's a common bad. song that you guys play. No, no, we kind of do it. We do a lot of times in uh, in towns where we have a really big show, just towns we love. We'll do these small kind of secret shows. Mm. I don't know why, but we always do it the night before, which is the fucking worst idea. So if we like play Red Rocks, we will go and uh find a small bar in town and yeah. bring all of our lighting set up and our lasers and our strobes and everything into a tiny place like bottom of the hill and uh but we um we go under a different name like over the uh go into the lords of portland we play a bunch of old shit and um it's more of just a party a lot of the times our tour manager will just come up and uh he says that we're not allowed to have set lists and then he just opens like three bottles of whiskey puts him on stage and he's like, start playing. And when these are done, you can stop. And so it just turns into <laughs> a party. But we always did the night before a show like Red Rocks, mm. which is like kind of the most important of the year. Yeah. And so every time we play a really big, important show, we're terribly hungover. And uh, yeah, working at about about 50% capacity. What's but, your uh, favorite big venue to Chicago play? That shows like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite big venue to play? I mean, it's probably Red Rocks. That's that's just amazing, even though it is also incredibly stressful because since it's like a destination thing, like I literally have like 60 family members that come. The backstage at Red Rocks is a shit show. It's like a family reunion and it's it's absolutely insane. And just uh, you got to deal with a lot of stuff. It, it's amazing, but it is chaotic as fuck. Yeah, but it is like being up there and especially that have you ever been there Mm -mm, i've not been out there it is insane and just like people listening if you if you aren't familiar with this natural amphitheater with these just amazing huge uh rocks all around um over over the city of denver outside of denver about uh 45 minutes or so and it's really cool because it's an amphitheater the band is the lowest point and then ten thousand people go up from there and the the rocks in the background uh, in the background we project onto the rocks and it's just like it's a really really special place wow i think the only the only place that i would think in this area at least that that sounds similar would be like the gorge the gorge is another pretty good venue as well it's totally like that and uh, it's that's the other one it's like those two it's tough to compare um but yeah, very similar vibes, and that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. Yeah, you guys have collaborated a lot with different. You guys have a new single out with Weird Al Yankovic. You guys have yeah. famously produced with Mike D from the Beastie Boys. What are those collaborations like for you guys? Because I mean, you're little band from Portland, little band from Alaska, and now being Grammy award winners, you're you're starting to punch above your weight limit now. 
Oh, for sure. Like somebody accidentally left the door in and we snuck in. And after that, like we got, yeah, we had that, we had one pop hit and it just opened so many weird random doors. And we were, just, we were getting in, led into places that we weren't necessarily supposed to be. We're like, <laughs> oh, it's really bright and smells good in here. And uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's really, it's really interesting and fun. And we like to see all aspects of the, music industry and like nobody was really expecting that when like we knew that it was it was a good song and i thought it would do very well on alternative radio and we met a whole nother side of our label like the pop team came down it's like hey we're gonna try taking to this uh taking this to pop in august and we're just like to pop are you fucking serious think like bieber fans are gonna at the time like I was 36 years old from Wasilla, Alaska, you know, slightly overweight, big ass neck beard. And I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know if like Selena fans or uh, Selena Gomez fans are going to listen to us. And so, um, but it works. They, uh, they brought it and it just, I don't know. Nobody knows what really happened with that song, but it went, it went huge. It was kind of perfect because it was just kind of funny for us. And, and we felt really good about it. It was just a song that, just worked for whatever reason and is weird. You just can't plan stuff like that, but we got busy and it, it did burn us out because we started, we, nobody was prepared for that. Yeah. And we wanted to take advantage of every opportunity that we got. And so when we're out like on cycle doing an album run and doing all the promo, like it's grueling and just in the alternative thing, like we pull up in a town and we start doing radio shows and shit at like seven or eight in the morning. And we're just running all over town doing those things. And then the, then we got introduced to the pop circuit, which is just so much more. And since most bands are kind of one or the other, right? they they only have to do one or the other. We were doing both. And it was fucking tiring. We went out for about two and a half, three years. And just, it was nonstop. Like, yeah, seven in the morning till three or four in the morning for three years. And... We're fucking tired, man. <laughs> I'll tell you when I knew you guys had made it. I watched a clip of some Russian TV show doing a cover of Feel It Still. I'm like, that's it. They made it. That's, you know, that's the. It went, it went gold in, in Russia. It was number one song in Russia. And we got to go and play it. It was fucking awesome, man. We had a blast. And uh, yeah, really weird, really weird stuff. I kind of knew it when right at the beginning, the first two people that talked about it was on the same day i'm pretty sure um kathy lee and hoda said it was their song of the summer and that same day uh lars ulrich from metallica said that it was his song of the summer and i was just like wait a minute like i think we just cast the net pretty wide and if we get anybody in the middle i'm like that's pretty good portugal man uh, uniting the world yeah it was it was pretty weird but that's the whole point of music man is (laughs) connection and uh and finding common ground. And that's what's uh, so we were very happy to be able to, uh, to do that. And yeah, it was fun, but it's a lot of pressure and none at all. Cause like, where do you go after that? Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned along the way through this whole process from, you know, waiter, you vultures, you guys have gone through some lineup changes, but what, what do you think you've learned through this whole process? Um, that you never really know the answer and you just got to be real and you just got to make whatever you want to hear and you want to, put out in the world at that time and it was easier back then because we didn't have as much pressure and and yeah we didn't have as many rules on ourselves every time we do an album and work with a producer we just know all these things to do and learn more things what not to do 
So now it gets harder when we're trying to, you know, figure out what to do or what to say for many reasons, just because we've learned so much more. I mean, specifically right now, the world is changing every two weeks. It's a completely different place. One day we got murder hornets, then we have impeachments and riots, uh, protests and, you know, like the just silly fucking political system. And you're just like, what? And pandemics. And it's just like, we have no idea. I'm like, where do I begin? And yeah. so we're kind of stuck right, right now with, uh, we've been working on an album for a couple of years or for about a year. And then like Corona kind of hit right when we were about finishing it up. And right at the end, we usually redo all the lyrics right before we put it out. But every time we do that, yeah, two weeks later, the world would be completely different. We're just like, shit, dude, I can't like what I want to say right now. And then in that time between it actually coming out, like the world's going to be different. And that's not, and that might not be what I want to say right now. So we're kind of stuck at the moment. That's interesting. So, I mean, does that mean like past albums you guys have done, you guys wish you could go back and, and like, how do you reconcile that? Does it feel different? Once you put it out, all the pressure is gone. Cause then it's just yeah. out in the world. Sure. And it's gone. And I, I always thought of an album as just like a snapshot into our life at that moment. Like, this is what we were thinking. This is what we were going on. Waiter was all about, like, heavily about Katrina and missing Alaska. And it was just like very, a lot of our lyrics are kind of, you know, a little more, it's kind of hard to tell exactly what we're talking about. But like, for us, we know what we're writing about. And it's all very just like, of the time like we recorded that in a few weeks up in seattle and that was just what we were talking about yeah it was yeah it was hurricane katrina a bunch of shit going down in alaska was talking about her life in alaska uh just pretty much bumming around in a van sleeping on floors and then um and just all the random people that we met yeah it was just like it was just what we were talking about what we were listening to in those three weeks of our lives yeah and and now we didn't have any options then. So we just like, we would be touring all year and we'd only take a couple of weeks off to record. And so then we were just done and whatever we had at the end of those three weeks was like, that's what we put out. So now when we don't have those time limits, I think we really need that because we'll just rethink it. We'll never just, Oh, this song is finished. It's never finished. You just have to stop. And when there's no reason to stop, it's really hard yeah. for us to stop. So during the and, during this pandemic, when you're kind of you know all confined, how have you been able to connect with your fans? It's been tough. There's been new. I mean, there's a lot of new things. Technology is great for that, but I'm not really. I've been kind of disconnected a lot from that. I've been yeah. kind of getting back to the, just the land and um, kind of thinking about what actually matters. You know, I think this was a big spring cleaning for everybody's priorities mm. and. Um, Honestly, I haven't been doing that much connection, but I just haven't felt like it's time for me to talk right now. I'm like these, everything that's going on this year, it's just like, I want to listen and learn to other people and hold space for them. Cause there's a lot of shit that's going on and I'm lucky to be in a situation where I can find the bright sides in these lockdowns and quarantines and pandemics. And, um, and yeah, it feels bad. It feels like to have that privilege because I get all excited, you know, when I know that people aren't in that situation. It's like, oh my God, we got to stay home for a few months. I was like, I've never been home for a few months in my adult life. Yeah. And so um, I was tickled pink to like, all right, don't see anybody 
and just don't do anything and stay at home. I was like, hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I've done a lot of personal growth and that's been really nice. But yeah, part of it is, is hard. And, uh, finding out with connecting to fans, it's just, I realize, and I've battled with social media and I fight with my guys about it all the time. Cause I know it's important. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to put out shit. Yeah. It's like, if I say something, it has to be purposeful. I'm just not going to post to post or respond to respond. I'm like, nah, man, that's kind of what's wrong with the world is there's way too much shit out there and we need things with more substance. Yeah. And there's a lot of things going around with substance and there's a lot to learn, a lot to unlearn. And it's been a, yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. The last year or so has just been fucking crazy. Yeah. But honestly, probably necessary. Yeah. I think a lot of people learned a lot. You guys are a very mission driven group. I mean, you guys famously, you know, have a bunch of things that you guys have done. Portland's your adopted home, but you've done a lot in the community. Um, Talk a little bit about that piece, about the philanthropic and the missions that you guys um, are focused on. You do a lot about uh, with Alaska tribes and, mm-hmm. and a lot of that stuff. How important is that for you guys to give back into the community as a band? Oh, it's huge. I mean, we, you know, you always have to have a reason to do something. And I think it's kind of your responsibility as an artist to have purpose and to have a reason. And Cause you just, you learn so much. And this, um, we went, we've gone like really hard one way and we've, we've started a foundation, um, based on indigenous rights and indigenous resilience and community building. And it's been amazing, especially during the pandemic. That's just all we've been doing. And that's all we focus on every day. And it's been super cool to just start doing that and do, do things for reasons and you find some really good partnerships and really good connections. We've just made, um, yeah, really good friends. And it's been, it's been fun, but I, I just, I just always think that you have to, it's like going anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's like anywhere you go, just try to leave it a little better than, than you left it. And we like to fuck it up a little bit, but then, you know, just try to leave it a little better. And so we're just trying to like raise awareness and elevate, elevate voices that uh may have been um you know unheard for a while and we've been talking about doing this specific thing for years we just did not know how and then like most things we just got thrown into the deep end where we made a decision it caused a big stink in australia and we're just like ah fuck all right well we're just in it now this is what we do now and so we just needed to be kind of like pushed in the pool yeah and uh learn swim and so we're figuring it all out but yeah we got an organization now because we started just like really spreading ourselves thin trying to do so many things so we're still you know dipshit artists and so we're not very organized you know, just ADD brain all over the place and so we're trying to do too much and we weren't being as effective as we could so we went official we got a nonprofit organization we got a director We've got an advisory board. We just keep building a team so that things can stay organized, things can get done, and things can get spread out. Because a lot of times, uh, a lot of the things we do, it's not even a lot about it. It's just connecting other people, and yeah. we could we can hear about an issue or something, and instead of us, you know, our plans had changed because a lot of it was just us playing shows and raising money from ticket sales because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit, so we had to you know, think about different things. So we've been thinking outside the box and learning a lot. 
but it's been cool. And a lot of it's just connecting and, uh, and building a network of really amazing people. And it's been cool as hell, man. And I like just, uh, learning. I was kind of scared to get into a lot of activism because there's a lot of pretension around it. And, you know, you got to know and say the right things. And, and that always kind of like, you know, scared me and made me timid. And I was insecure about shit that I didn't know. Hmm. And then I kind of realized that, you know, any idiot can do it. And just like, it's not hard to be a decent person. You don't have to be a good person. Like I'm not a good person. I'm half and half, man. And, but you don't got to be rich. You don't got to be powerful. You don't have to have a ton of followers and, and there's so many different levels, but just find something that you care about and do a little something about it. And if everybody does a little, like a lot can happen. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to all be, you know, Sean Penn or Leonardo DiCaprio. And, um, and that's really what I want to get out there is like, it's okay to not, know what you're doing and it's and it's okay to mess up we've messed up a lot when we're trying to do the right thing and we're like oh shit that was actually kind of insensitive and my intentions were good but dumb white guy over here and yeah that's what a lot of this has been about and you got to be okay with those insecurities and be okay with messing up because the next time you won't yeah it's just been interesting to see the community around Portland really embrace you guys. Like you said, you, you guys tour, uh, or you guys play shows under the Lords of Portland. You guys have Lords of Portland. How, how has it been to take a band that's not necessarily from here? How, why port? First of all, why Portland? And why do you think they've been able to embrace you the way they've been able to embrace you? I mean, it took a long time. Persistence was key. It was hard. It's honest. Quite honestly, Portland was the last place to let us in. Really? And it, First, yeah, it was the first place we went. We got, we would go on a tour and like for several years, the smallest show would be in Portland. Everybody, we'd like our opening bands, whatever. It's like, dude, I can't wait for the last show. It's the home show. It's going to be crazy. We're like, actually, it's like not that big of a deal. And it was, uh, and it was tough because we weren't from here and Portland's mm-hmm. all about, um, that's what I love about it. You know, it's like, it's very, it's all about community and it's hard to share a place. It's like a secret fishing spot. You know, you don't want to let uh, everybody in. We had a little bit better for some reason when it comes to migration, whenever, you know, if they're like, oh, you're not from here. They're like, boo. But if I'm like, oh, well, I came south. I came from Alaska. Like, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's okay. As long as you Just, have California license plates on your car, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, and and so there there's that and we just had to be we just had to be here and we had to live here and we also we toured so much that we didn't really get to sink mm. our teeth into the local scene as we would have liked to so that was one of the reasons yeah. too is that all our other friends that were in bands were constantly playing house shows and playing bars every month in portland and we were never here and yeah. we're like we're like oh we live here but we we're everywhere else and not because we don't like Portland, but just because we want to go everywhere. But right, we right. came here because this is the best. Well, I didn't know it at the time. I moved here because I just had some friends here. It was close enough to Alaska yeah. and not it's smaller than Seattle. Seattle was just a little too much. And so I came down here and it was just fucking awesome. And now I've just, Portland's the best city. And so love it here. that's why I'm here. And we, we love this town and it is our home just as much as Alaska is. Yeah. And so it finally took a long time, but then, yeah, I think just persistence is key. 
they re- like the city realized that we were never leaving. And so they finally decided to, to give us a hug back and uh, <laughs> we just whittled them down. <laughs> uh, what I found interesting is that the Blazers have really taken a shine to you guys. Like you guys. Uh, Same they, thing. We whittled them down. <laughs> yeah. They, you, they play live in the moment before every game. Like you guys are part of the sort of the ramp up into every game. Like it's just been interesting to watch the community, the entire community just really embrace what you guys are. But I think part of it, to your point, is there are there are towns that stand for things, right? There are different towns that, you know, you can go to San Antonio and that's a very military town. You could go to the Bay Area. It's very diverse. But Portland always has stood for something and very yeah. mission driven. So I think, you know, that's I, that's my opinion that I think part of it is that it's just a perfect marriage of the two. Oh, totally. It's so supportive of the arts. And I mean, I mean, shit, back in the old days when we were first playing, like I got a job because I like when I would be home and I had and I had a boss that would let me leave for six months. And then I'd be like, I come back for two weeks and the guy would let me work. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So I haven't talked to him in a while. I need to go find that guy. Like (laughs) and he is supportive. Like that's a pain in the ass for him. Yeah, that is not easy. It sucks for the whole crew. And he let me do that and like make a little money That's crazy. so that I could survive. So sure as shit wasn't making any on the road. Sure. And, uh, and honestly, I just worked at a restaurant literally so I could eat. It was just all about the shift meals and tips, man. That yeah. was like, <laughs> speaking of, I tried to get, I, I worked there for a day, lied on my application, went and cooked there. And, uh, um, just cause I needed, I fucking needed something, man. I was, yeah, yeah. Ireland. and uh and yeah i just literally wanted shift meals and at the end of it the chef was just like it's like you did pretty good today he's like you don't really know what you're doing do you i was like no sir <laughs> and uh, i'm like i apologize i lied to get in here and uh i didn't actually lie i just didn't yeah i just yeah. kept didn't answer a few questions and uh but yeah i felt pretty bad and i for some reason i saw that guy everywhere and yeah. i just felt like an asshole but I love the Doug Fern. I, I support the shit out of that place. And, it's uh, an amazing place. Thanks for hiring me. Thanks for firing me. <laughs> and we've had a lot of good times at your establishment. Absolutely. So we talk a little bit of, on this show to, to close things out about the future of the music industry. You have literally seen every step of it from going from an unsigned band to independent to a major label, being on the both pop and alternative side, as, as we talked about. What do you think is next for the music industry? Because it's, it's in flux right now. It's in this transition mode. Where, where do you think we're headed as as an industry, the music industry? Man, it's gonna be weird. I think they got to get the streaming shit together, and they're working on it. Yeah. Once that gets fair for labels and artists, I think it's gonna be a really amazing time. And I'm hoping that 21 is gonna be a great year to release music. I don't know how the future of live shows and things are gonna be. It kind of depends on what's going on. But honestly, I'm excited about it. I like change and most people myself included like am like insanely i resist yeah. hard to change so i have to be forced into it and things like this things like tech and pandemics they're gonna make us think outside the box and i like i like fun ideas we just made cryptocurrency i don't even know what the fuck that is but like we just made some we're a band and we have our own currency what the fuck? And I'm learning all about it. I was like, hell yeah, dude, decentralize that shit. Damn the man, burn the banks. I'm like, <laughs> let's put some more transparency in this yeah. shit. And that's, it's just fun coming up with new ideas. So I don't know where the music industry is going, where I do know it's going is forward. Cause that's where we have to go. Yeah. And I think that labels are going to have to stop 
using the same old tricks that they've been doing. I mean, they already had to for a while and they've been slowly morphing and getting it, but now they're going to need to change even more. And I love that. I'm like, let's keep this thing alive because music isn't going anywhere. And, but we just need to make all things to all things together and everybody take down old systems that don't work. That's why I like the, you know, the currency situation and, and uh, bands having their own labels and getting fans involved like that. They're investing in you as like make you're a privately traded company or a publicly traded company. When you're a band, like you got to be like, we're all moving together and we can do it as one band fan base label community race of humans and let's just like you know do this shit together man whatever you can do together do it what i love about you and the rest of the band is it doesn't matter you've won a grammy you guys had a hit record on the top billboard 100 and been number one on various charts and won different awards you're the same dude that i met in 2007 as you know the whole time you've not changed one bit you've learned as you mentioned along the way but you've stayed the same. Yeah, you're the same dude. But it's great. I love it, dude. That's I love fun, it. man. Thanks. So like, yeah, I, uh, like whatever you're doing, like you always got to learn. You got to evolve. But like, don't ever abandon where you came from. And it just depends. But I mean, I I got a lot of shit to work on, a lot of shit to change. But essentially, like, I yeah, I have uh, not none of this stuff has changed me much, except that like. Some people try to, or that don't know me very well from like high school, she's like, oh, dude, you've changed you. So I'm like, not really, but it knows me, doesn't think so. Except I just don't tolerate lines anymore. Yeah. I cannot, if I'm like going to a show or something, that's the only time that I will like, I just cannot handle the lines. I'm, I'm cool with gen pop. I'm cool just like being in the nosebleeds or in, or in the pit or whatever. Like I don't need special treatment, but goddamn waiting in line, like in airports <laughs> or security lines yeah. or outside blazer games. I'm like, Nah, man. So I will use that shit to like somebody just let me in a side door and then everything else. Like I'll pay. Yeah. I don't need any special treatment. Just like I can't fucking stand in the line. I don't know what it is, but like it brings in all this. Like I, I start going to a really bad place when I'm stuck in a line with a ton of people. I think it's an and, age uh, thing. I totally I, I, I get where you're coming from. I think as you get older. Right. I mean, we're pretty close in the age, but as you get older, different things annoy you as you get older. Cause you're like, you know, I'm not going to do this because I've done it a billion times and I'm over it. But like yeah. for me is I don't like going to shows where I have to stand for more than an hour. Yeah. I I'm can't, old, man. I'm I can't tired. fucking yeah. do it. I can't just do it. And so I'll go and see a band and I'll be like, all right, three songs. I saw it. All right, I'm out. I'm going to go yeah, listen totally. to the rest of the album in the car. Yeah. It's just, sure, yeah. I got to like too uh, old. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And it, it's funny. I, I just moved to Troutdale. So did John. It's it's fun. We can, uh, he lives uh, about a mile and a half, two miles upstream. That's so we awesome. In each other's houses. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's pretty rad. And uh, um, it is, it is funny though. It's like uh, out in this community along my street, I've got amazing neighbors, but we're like the kids now. And I just yeah. moved out of Portland and I was feeling old and I'm like, ah, this city's for the kids. I'm gonna get out of here. Stop getting in their way. And it's funny. So I've been feeling all old and I come out here and now we're the young bucks and everybody's asking me to carry shit and help like, like, Hey, we're chopping up this tree, dude. Hey, my back's hurting to you. Give me a hand. Good to see you kids around. I'm like, damn it. I want to be old. Just let me get old. And so uh, funny. Just dye okay. your hair. Start dyeing your hair gray. That's all you got. Oh, totally. yeah. For some reason, I don't have any gray hairs yet, which is insane. Because <laughs> like my insides, I'm like 70. And uh, for some reason, my hair is still fine. But I mean, yeah, yeah. knock on wood, it's cool. Nice. I'm, I'm fine with 
gray though like let's bring it on i i can't wait for the wrinkles for the old i want that like grandpa voice or that johnny cash voice yeah, like, yeah it's like talk with you know just have that resonance hey i'll just so, tell you you know i'm a few years older than you just uh, just warning you ahead of time what comes with that is droopy balls and you just got to be ready for that i'm just telling you oh dude i got long story I, i've had long balls <laughs> my whole life it's gonna be, they're gonna be ridiculous it's it's a it's a thing i can't believe we covered a lot zach in this uh in this interview <laughs> and uh <laughs> but i love you to death man you know this and i'm so thrilled we finally got to do this Good, love you too good talking to you Josh. be good You've been listening to the 510 Radio on the 510.com. Any rebroadcast, transcription, or dissemination in whole or in part is strictly prohibited unless given express written consent by the 510.com or its officers. All music played on the 510 Radio and the 510.com is copyright of the respective owners. This has been a production of the 510.com.